We're going to be in Numbers today. If you have not already opened your Bible to that, hopefully you have. Hopefully you brought your Word of God that you can turn the pages today and you can open it to Numbers chapter 20. It's a book that not many people ever read or even know where it's at in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's within the first five books of the Bible. It has with it the story of Moses and the children of Israel. We're going to be in chapter 20 today. Anybody here have something happen this week that was just not good? It was just a bad week for you. Something happened. I see hands going up. Anybody here just... Have you ever experienced emotions that just seem to boil over inside of you? How about emotions from someone you love? Maybe it's your spouse. Now, don't be elbowing your spouse this morning, all right? Maybe it's someone in your life that seems to have gotten to an emotional point and it just came running over, spilling everywhere, and you were the recipient of it. Anybody here ever been on that end before? I'm raising my hand. I'm going to raise both hands this morning for that one. We all seem to have experienced, either personally or from someone else, this idea of emotions in their life. So what I need you to do this morning, I need you to turn to your neighbor and tell them to buckle up and get ready. Go, go ahead and tell them. Buckle up and get ready. We're going to talk about emotions today and, and the biblical view on that and be looking at Moses. I'm reminded of a story I just recently heard about this couple. Jacob, you're going to love this story. This couple had been married for years. Years and years they had been married. And so they were in conversation one day, and the wife looked at the husband and said, Honey, I am just so happy I've been married to you for all these years, and it seems like every time I get out of control, you just remain so in control I can get mad, I can scream, I can fuss at you, and you don't ever seem to get mad. And you seem to handle it so well. Thank you so much for being that kind of a man. And, and he just looked at her and said, well, thank you, dear. And so she said, what is the secret? How have you been this way all of our marriage? He said, well, I normally just, when you get done, I get up and go clean the bathroom. She said, really? Well, I sure do appreciate that. I noticed you always cleaned the bathroom. It was always nice and clean. I appreciate that. And he said, yeah, I usually use your toothbrush after we have fought. <laughs> Emotions! We have those moments, don't we? We have different ways of expressing those emotions. And oftentimes, uh, our favorite is laughter. Earlier when I asked, what is your favorite emotion? Uh, people were saying laughter and joy and happiness. I had one person walk up with a big grin on his face and say, anger! I'm like, yeah, right, sure it is. <laughs> Anybody here just love anger? Anybody in here just love getting mad? All right, I see a couple of hands going up, and I know, Larry, you, uh, the altar's right here. You, you can repent earlier, uh, later in, in the service. Anger is one of those things that we often find ourselves dealing with, either within ourselves or someone else. And you're not alone. Can I tell you up front, it is not a sin to get angry. Let me free someone today because you often feel like when you get angry, oh, I've messed up, I've sinned before God. You can get angry and not sin. It's what happens with that anger and what you do with it that will lead to sin. We're looking at a leader by the name of Moses. 
Most of us in here have heard of Moses. Moses was one of the great leaders. He is one of those men that have gone down in history that you can, you can find out about in other religions. They, they refer to Moses. There are people that, that have heard of Moses. There's even been a great movie that many of us have seen called The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. When we think of Moses, we think of Charlton Heston. Anybody in here like me, when I close my eyes and think of Moses, I see Charlton Heston standing there in that movie. Moses is a man who, who, he was supposed to be killed, aborted. But yet his sister Miriam, Miriam she put him in the Nile by the, her, his mother's request and he floated down the Nile and Miriam, his sister, watched very carefully as the baby floated down the river. And lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby and says, Oh, I'm so in love. I want to keep the baby. Okay, you can keep the baby. Miriam goes up to Pharaoh's daughter and, and says, Hey, I know somebody who can nurse the baby for you. Oh, really? Great. So Moses' mother actually got to nurse Moses, even though Moses was supposed to be killed according to the government. That's pretty cool. Moses is, is rescued and Miriam is there to help him in that early stages. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's household. He is an Egyptian. He's been taught the Egyptian ways, but he's also a Hebrew. And all of his brothers and sisters who are Hebrews are enslaved. One day, Moses is, has been wrestling with this idea of where he came from, who he was. And he sees an Egyptian being mean to one of the Hebrews, and Moses kills the man out of anger. Kills him and covers him up. Well, the news of that got out, and Moses eventually had to leave. And he's in the wilderness and he's nothing but a shepherd. Comes across the burning bush and that burning bush which was God's voice told him there was a calling on his life and to go back to Egypt, go back to Pharaoh and set my people free. So Moses, eventually he, he gets to the place where he accepts that calling, goes back to Egypt and he works to see the people set free. They go out into the wilderness and... They receive the Ten Commandments and the laws and they experience God. Moses helped build the first tabernacle. He had the directions from God. He spoke to God. He was a man that we look up to and say he was a spiritual leader and a spiritual giant. There came a point where they were to go into the promised land, the land that God had promised them. And they sent in 12 spies and they took a popular vote when they got back. The democracy said, let's not go in. Ten says, don't go. It's too much. Two said, we need to go. God told us. So the people decided to follow the ten. They decided they would not follow God. And God decided they would all die. So He said, have it your way. So for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness and they wandered around. And many people may say, well, that seems kind of cruel and mean of God. God had asked them to have faith, and they didn't live by faith. And we come to chapter 20, where they have been wandering around for right at 40 years in the wilderness. And something happens. Verse 1 of chapter 20 reads like this. Then the sons of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed at Kadesh. Now Miriam died there and was buried there. 
Just a quick word about Miriam. Is Miriam important in Moses' life and in the life of Israel? When she got sick at one point, the entire journey stopped until she got well. Miriam was extremely important in Moses' life. Miriam was close to him. I would have to say he thought the world of her. There was a deep connection with his sister. But she has died. She has passed away. Verse 2, There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contented with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why then, why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into the wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron responds like a great spiritual leader should. Moses and Aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord spoke to Moses. One of the things that really hits me here is thinking about the state of Moses and Aaron in that moment. Particularly Moses. Moses and Aaron, they're close. And they've lost their sister Miriam. And what happens on the heel of the death of someone they love? Everybody attacks them. Everybody attacks them. So when it says that Moses and Aaron came to the door of the tent and fell on their face, I can understand that. I can understand being at a place emotionally where you can't go no farther and all you can do is fall down on your face because you hurt so bad. Today we're talking about unkept emotions. In other words, those emotions that we neglect, that we don't really do anything with, that just seems to continue to be there. It's kind of like this glass. This glass is empty and we're born... There's nothing in that glass. We're happy. We feel great. And then we begin to experience emotions. And as we grow up, things begin to bother us. Names that people call us. The way we're treated. Things that go wrong in our life, they aggravate us. And we don't do anything about it. We just stuff it away. Day after day, things are happening. Someone yells at us. Oh, that's a bad one. That's a hard one. There's a divorce. There's a death. There are things in our life that just keep filling up that cup. It gets fuller and fuller over time. And then after a while, that cup is completely and totally full. It is totally to the top full. I believe that's where Moses was. Moses has lost his sister. He is grieving and hurting over the, the one person he is so connected to. And then all of a sudden, here comes a bunch of whiny crybabies. Blaming him and attacking him. When it comes to sources of these unkept emotions, one of them is death. 
You can write that down. Death, we see that in verse 1. Miriam died and she was buried. They were grieving. They were hurting. And not only that, at the end of this chapter, guess who else dies? Aaron dies at the end of this chapter. Moses is faced with death here and his family is going away. And the second thing that causes emotions in us that can call us to just cause us to have a hard, hard time is being attacked by other people. Has anybody here ever been attacked by someone? Called a name, been, been treated bad, just absolutely attacked. It's your fault. It's your, you're the reason we're in this mess. I've been there. I understand losing someone you love so much and then being attacked by a bunch of people like he was here that no other option would be to just fall down on your face in the tent of meetings and cry. But here's an interesting thing I find. Let's read on and see, see what happens because the third thing that can be an emotion that we don't deal with, not only is it grief, the death of someone or something, not only the attacks from other people or even us attacking ourselves, these emotions that we deal with, but a third one is disappointments. These people are disappointed that everything's not their way. They're disappointed that everything's not perfect. Remember what they said? They said, if only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. When they have, Why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into the wilderness for all? us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water here. They're saying it's not our way, it's not comfortable, it's not nice enough for us, and it's your fault. You're the one who brought us to this thing. You ever been blamed for something? I have. They go before the Lord, fall on their faces. Look at verse 8. The Lord speaks to Moses and says, Take the rod... And you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its waters. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. God gives an answer to the, their complaint as to what's going on, Moses being the leader. So Moses, what did he do? He took the rod. Did God tell him to take the rod? Yes, he did. Look, look back up here. Verse 8. Take the rod. Moses took the rod. He did good there, didn't he? He did good. He took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. Did they do what the Lord said? The Lord said in verse 8, to take your rod. And he said, and you and your brother, assemble the congregation. He's doing what God has asked him, right? Okay, let's read on. They assembled them before the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen now, you rebels! Did I get your attention? Moses was not one of the disciples on the nice little picture that's like hanging out in the Welcome Center and sitting behind the Lord's Supper table posing for a picture. He didn't say, Now listen, you rebels. At this point, you can see the emotion in the Hebrew that Moses has run over. He has had one too many drops and all of a sudden, it spills and goes everywhere. When he says, listen you rebels! 
It was from the emotions and the depths of his being. Why was he doing that? Because it was spilling over everywhere. Is that a bad thing? Well, he's dealing with with death. He's dealing with being attacked. He's dealing with disappointments from the people. And to be honest with you, I believe he's disappointed with God. I believe he's looking at a bunch of people that he has worked hard to serve, to bring out from the, 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 the slavery that they were in in Egypt, and they wandered through the wilderness 40 years. All the, the other people have died, and he's looking at new people, and they're exactly the same as the ones before. A bunch of whiny crybabies. And God, you should do something about these people. I'm sick and tired of them. I can't stand to look at them. But God does nothing. doesn't even mention it. Moses doesn't mention it either. So at this moment, Moses, Moses comes to this place where he just he screams and yells, it seems, out of anger. Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Moses forgot who did the miracles. In the moment of his outburst and his overspilling of his emotions, he forgot who had parted the Red Sea and brought water out of the rock before, who had brought manna from heaven. It was not him and Aaron. But yet he says, Shall we bring water out of this rock? He becomes blinded to the spiritual truth and fact because of these emotions spilling over. I'm here to tell you today, you may think that this message is not relevant, but it's very relevant. Because we are emotional people. We get angry, we get upset, we cry, we weep, we are bothered. And if we don't deal with those emotions, they will affect our spiritual life more than you ever think possible. Here's a great leader, Moses. He's... He comes to the Lord, falls on his face, gets directions from God. God tells him to take the rod, assemble the people. And what else did God tell him? Look back at, speak to the what? Speak to the rock. And what did Moses speak to? The people. I believe in that moment God knew, Moses, don't speak to them. You're in no condition to say anything. But yet, Moses does. Can I tell you something? Moses obeyed in the, in the rod, in the assembly, but disobeyed in who he spoke to and what he did. Partial disobedience is complete disobedience. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Let's read what happens here. Moses, uh, he, he says, Listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came forth abundantly in the congregation, and the beasts drank. Despite his failure, God still provided for the people of Israel. So here's something that I really don't want you to miss. You need to write this down. Is that this is the danger. The danger of these emotions we, these emotions we don't deal with and we don't bring them before the Lord and we don't talk about them and we don't flesh them out. Here's what happens. Unkept emotions will lead to consequences. They will lead to consequences. I'm telling you right now, probably the majority of those who are in jail had unkept emotions that led them to do something that led them to do an act that caused them to have to be arrested. 
Just recently, yesterday, I was watching a show about this young man and the story of his life, how he lost his mother while he was in college. And that sent him on a tailspin. And over the period of the next several years, how things got worse and worse. And he lost job after job until finally one day he figures out the problem. The problem is my dad and that woman he married to replace my mama. And he got him two knives and he got him a crossbow. And all three of them died. He and his dad and his mother, his stepmom. Emotions that were not dealt with kept building and growing and growing. See, it doesn't take a lot to spill this water out of this cup when it's this full. And when we think that God can handle everything else in our life except for our emotions and we don't really talk to Him about this and we do nothing with this, this is going to be the thing that's going to be the obstacle to us really growing spiritually in our life. Now, you may say, well, I'm not a violent person. I'm not going to go out and kill anybody. I mean, I've got some things I'm upset about, but I'm not going to go punch anybody in the nose, even though I'd like to sometimes. What about the things that you say? Because, look, there are consequences. Listen to what happens with Moses, verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron... Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. What? Excuse me? That seems to be a little harsh from God, doesn't it? Unless you think about the context of this person. Moses was the spiritual leader and the spiritual representative to the people for God. And he presented God in a way that was not holy and righteous. I am a spiritual leader of this church. There are spiritual leaders all across this land. And the level and standard at which we are held is much higher than we sometimes want to admit. There are other spiritual leaders in this church. We have deacons. We've got a youth minister and children's minister and preschool minister. We've got Sunday school teachers. We are held to a higher standard because we are spiritually guiding. And when we fail, God does not look at our failure the same as He looks at someone else's because what we do affects so many. When a great spiritual leader has a great moral failure, it affects so many people. And there are consequences. Now let me break it down to you. Men, I want every man looking at me. The Word of God has declared you the spiritual leader of your home. Be a man and be that spiritual leader. If you've got a problem with anger, fix it. Deal with it. Get help. Men, you are the spiritual leader in which God will hold responsible and accountable for how you lead your home. There was a time in my life when my cup was just about completely full and I found myself getting aggravated when my little girl would just cry and not go to sleep and it would... Uh, and I realized I had a problem. 
I don't want my kids to think daddy's always mad and angry because you know what they're going to think about God? God is always mad and angry. Don't believe me? Ask people. I guarantee you their view of their daddy will transfer to their view of God. Men, be men and be spiritual leaders in your home based on Scripture, not on what makes you feel good and what makes you comfortable. Well, I'm just that way. Get over yourself. Please. The sake of our children and our nation and our country and our churches and our community depends on men to step up and stop being a bunch of babies. Let's be men. Let's be spiritual leaders in our home. Let's be spiritual leaders in our community. What's wrong with our nation? I don't point at the women. I point at the men. Moses failed. And there were consequences. Notice the consequence though. God says, Because you did not treat me holy before the assembly, you will not lead this congregation into the promised land. Did Moses ever make it into the promised land? It's a trick question. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was up there, Elijah appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in the promised land and someone else. Who was it? Moses. So Moses didn't make it into the promised land. God never said, Moses, you'll never make it into the promised land. He just simply said, you won't lead this congregation there. He forfeited his right to lead when he did not treat God as holy and spiritually lead the people. This is a serious thing when it comes to dealing with our emotions. Men, we don't like to talk about our feelings. Is there a man in here that just loves to talk about your feelings? Somebody? There's one. One man just raised his hand and he loves to talk about his feelings. Now, here's what we're going to do next Sunday morning for the rest of us men. If y'all will come at 10 o'clock, he's going to lead a class on how we can get to a point where we can talk about our feelings. Ladies, can I tell you something? It's not because we don't want to. Okay, listen. It's not because we don't want to. We just don't know how. Could somebody give me an amen here? Support me here, guys. We'll get asked, so how you feel? Oh, no. You want to know what? We really don't know. <laughs> sometimes we are clueless. Now, sometimes, I admit, us men, we will hide it and we'll stuff it down to protect our woman, won't we? We'll, we'll go, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm fine, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm not going to protect her and to make this moment more peaceful, I'm just going to stuff it. And you know what happens when we stuff it and we never deal with it? The cup keeps getting fuller and fuller. And all of a sudden it just takes one little thing and it spills over and there's a big mess. Be careful not to forfeit your spiritual leadership by not dealing with these emotions. They can be a hindrance in your life. Moses had consequence, consequences and Aaron had consequences for doing that. Now there's five stages of, of anger. Five steps. The first one is mild irritation. That's whenever something just irritates you a little bit. It's something that maybe you can let go and you can go on and in 24 hours you, you have forgotten about it. Then there's indignation. That's where you are reacting to unfair and unreasonable treatment. And sometimes you might get physical or verbal, but it's not... Not every time. Indignation is there's just a sense of that just really upsets me, you know, kind of, kind of a thing. 
But then there's this wrath. It is always expressed. Wrath is always expressed. That's when it comes out and it's usually a big explosion. It's usually a big burst. Then there's fury. Fury is, is you have a loss of control. I think maybe Moses may have experienced a little of that in that moment. When he said, listen you rebels! And he took that staff and he just beat that rock twice with it. Maybe that was his moment of he was out of control and just struck that rock twice. But then the last one is rage. Rage is the most dangerous. That's the one where you can actually psychologically totally forget and not even know where you are. React in such a way that you'll go, I don't even remember doing that. That is the final stage of anger. But all of this that leads to this volcanic, volcanic explosion comes from this not dealing with anger. I'm reminded of Jesus. Jesus, He got angry one time, but it was righteous anger, and we can talk about that some other time. But what drove the nails? It was the anger of the righteous religious people. The anger of the mob that yelled, crucify him. The anger that had just boiled up that led them to kill Jesus. Jesus could have just finally said, listen you rebels, I'm done. I've came and I've healed your lame, I have fed you when you're hungry. I have pointed you to the righteous way and you've rejected it. And now you've beat me. My flesh is torn. I'm bleeding. My bones are out of joint and you've nailed me to a cross. I'm done with you rebels. Jesus didn't do that. What does he say first on the cross? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. I know you're not Jesus Christ. But when Jesus was in the Garden of Eden praying before God, what He was doing, one of the things that He had to deal with as a man was He had to lay it all out before God. Lord, those things are going to happen. He had to empty Himself, as it says in Philippians 2. He emptied Himself emptied himself and took on that of a servant. What must I do? Well, the first thing is you, know, you need to know that anger is a symptom of something else. Anger is a symptom of something else. And can I make a really bold statement? Some of you are not going to like me, and you may not even come back next week. But I'm about to tell you something, because I feel like somebody needs to hear this. The symptom of your anger is not the other person's fault. They're not the problem. There's something within you that you need to deal with. Now, I didn't say you're the problem. I didn't say that you're messed up. I said there's something you need to deal with the other person's not the problem. 
It could be that there's so much hurt and pain and there's been so much grief in your life that you've not been able to express or deal with. There's been attacks in your life and you feel rejected by people. And, and there are those moments where you are just so disappointed and expectations have not been made. It just overflows and it comes out. But can I tell you, it's not the other person's fault. It may not even be your fault that all those things happen. But what you do with the stuff in the cup matters for the kingdom of God and for you. The other person is bringing out the problem that exists inside of you. There's a great leader that wrote a book many years ago. And in that book... He put forth this truth for leaders. He said, it takes two people to fight. And if you refuse to fight, there's not a fight. How can you get to a place where you don't fight? You've got to get to a place where you surrender every emotion and thought captive to Christ. You cannot do this on your own. This isn't about positive thinking and you changing the way you think. It is about you surrendering every thought captive to Christ. Only through Christ's work and the Spirit of God can a difference be made. See, anger is like smoke. Where does smoke come from? Fire. We don't call the smoke department, do we? We call the fire department. Why? Because fire is the problem. Smoke is an indication there's an issue. Anger is an indication there's something that needs to be dealt with. Do not let anger get the best of you. The Bible even says, do not go to bed angry. It, what the Bible says about that, he doesn't make it black and white. Well, if you're angry, don't go to sleep and stay up all night to you. Now, some people have done that. But what God is trying to tell you is, it is important for you to deal with the emotion of anger in your life. Because if not, there will be consequences. Because it's going to build and build. And the second thing comes from this idea of a poem that John shared with me this week. It's called Filling Faith in Fact. That's the, entitle, that's the title of the poem. Three went for a walk on a wall. Filling, faith, and fact. Filling took a bad fall, and faith was taken back. Faith walked so close to feeling that he fell too. But fact remained and pulled faith up, and faith brought filling too. In other words, our emotions can get the best of us sometimes. Our feelings, our emotions, our anger, our hurt, our grief, our pain can get the best of us. And our faith is what needs to guide us, but our faith will take a hit sometimes because of those moments. But the thing that will keep us rock solid is this. That is the fact of God's truth. It's the fact of God's truth. The second thing I want you to write down is my faith. My feelings should, be, should look to my faith and my faith should look to God's truth. 
There's reason to be used. There's a mind to be used. And when we look at God's Word as our foundation, we can understand that the blood of Christ covers my sin and the sin of others. It's not simply about me. I might get angry and I may get mad. I may be hurt and I may be justified in feeling the way I feel. But we have to deal with those things or they're going to spill over. They're going to cause consequences in our life. And it's going to affect our spiritual growth and those around us. So men, let me challenge you to be a spiritual leader in your home. Well, I've not done too good lately. That's okay. There is grace and forgiveness. Step up your game. Be a spiritual leader in your home. If you've got problems, whether you're male or female, and you get angry really, really easy, talk to someone about it. Let this be your standard. If you feel like you're, you're being devalued by people, turn to the Word of God that says that you're so valuable that Christ would leave heaven and come to earth and die on the cross for you. That He would call you holy and righteous. Hang on to the truth of this to guide you so that those feelings don't dominate you to turn away from this, but to draw you to it. Anger is covered by the blood of Christ. Maybe this morning somebody in this room may have gotten mad coming to church. Can I tell you? I'm glad you're here. It's okay. It is all right to get angry. It's what you do with that anger. Are you going to leave it in your glass and are you going to stew on it and you just can't wait to get back in the car to say something? Boy, I can't wait to get in the car. This pastor has preached straight to my wife. When I get in the car, boy, am I going to just... We're going to talk about this sermon all the way home. Boy, are we going to have a good discussion. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not very smart. <laughs> But this is something we all deal with. And God had laid it on my heart to bring it to you for some reason. We have to deal with these emotions that we keep stuffed away and we don't do anything with. Or they're going to spill over and create problems. And it's going to hinder us in our growth with Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this morning in your word. I thank you, Lord, for Moses. He wasn't perfect. He was a man that we look up to that we can see in Scripture that he, he was the one who even wrote the book of Numbers and he had to write this down and admit, I failed and messed up. But Lord, we're reminded that your grace is sufficient and your Spirit is what can lead us through these difficult times that we have to deal with. Lord, I've talked with other pastors and... It seems that we are living in a day of more violence, more anger. We turn on the TV, Father, and all we can see is anger. And one person ang angry at another person, and they're attacking each other or attacking someone else. And Lord, we live in a society that thrives on this emotion of anger because anger will drive us away from you if we don't bring it to the cross and help let you deal with it in our life. Help us today, Lord. Not let anything stand between us and you. Lord, and if someone here, if they have never started a relationship 
with you. God, it's not about coming to church. It's not about being baptized. You know that. It's not even about reading the Bible. All those things are great and good, but without surrendering a life to you, it will end in futility. Because whenever we die, we stand before you, and there's only one thing that will matter. What did I do with Jesus? So this morning... If you're here and you do not know Jesus and you do not have a relationship with Him, will you ask God to forgive you right now? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, it's not a special magic prayer. It's just simply asking Him to forgive you and to take over your life. If you feel God asking you to do that right now, then you will begin a relationship and you'll be transformed forever. We thank you, Father, for your word in this day. In Jesus' name, amen.